Today is the May 22nd, 2022 meeting of Hope Bible Church. Steve Hogan's message is titled, John 7 and 8 and the Gospel. If you would like to contribute to our sermon audio ministry, please click the Give button on our sermon audio homepage. Thank you. To light in our life. We sang that song, and I thought it was appropriate that Steve said, S-O-N, shine, sunshine. And I f- they should change the words. You can change it next time, Marsh, if you want. Sunshine, because he wants to light up our hearts. He wants to be the sunshine in our soul. That's what he wants to do. And so when Jesus says he's the light of the world, it means the light of the whole world, not just for some people, not just for some group or some race, but for all the people in the world. He is available. He wants to light up their lives. We all understand the sun, S-U-N, right? The sun, the physical sun, lights up the whole world, right? Everybody on this planet, every person sees the sun. Sometimes it's cloudy or rainy, but you know what I'm saying. They see the sun. It's for the whole earth. And so, too, Jesus, as a light of the world, is for the entire earth. That is who he is for. His purpose, then, is to be a light to the whole world. Now, we understand back in those days, and we're going to read a couple verses in a few minutes that talk about this, that, that most people didn't experience this spiritual light of Jesus, only the minority. But I just want to shoot ahead just for a minute here to give you this picture. We'll look more in the future even at the end of this message here. But turn to Matthew chapter 20, 24. Matthew 24. And, and what I want to point out here is this analogy of light, of Jesus being the light of the world. And this chapter 24 is talking about the coming of Christ. We look first at verse 27, a verse that in our city of Tampa, in this part of the state, we understand very well. Just as the lightning comes from the east and flashes even to the west, so will the coming of the Son of Man be. Not to say that lightning always comes from the east here in Tampa, but the point is we understand lightning. It can light up a huge part of the sky, especially those huge bolts. You've all seen them, right? So there's that analogy of he's coming as light. And then you go to verse 30. And this, this here is the answer to the question, the disciples' question about what is the sign of the Son of the Man. It says, Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. And, and the, the whole t- point here is that Jesus is the Shekinah glory, and when he returns, he's going to literally light up the sky. He is the light of the world. Everybody in the world, saved or not saved, will see him. That's the point. He's coming back in full glory and full power, the light of the world. This is Christ. It will be, I tell you, we're all going to see it. It's going to be a, a most glorious experience when Jesus comes back like that. So the fact that Jesus is the light of the world is more evidence that he is God. I mean, think about sinful man. Sinful man, we'll talk about this in a few more minutes, is, is oftentimes represented by darkness. Sinful man in his darkness, spiritually speaking, in no way can ever light up the world. He just can't do it. He's darkness. Sinful man darkens the world. You see, Jesus Christ is the light of the world, the only one who can light up the world. Okay, turn to John chapter 1, chapter 1, verses 1 to 4. And again, this, this theme of light is a pretty dominant theme in, in the scriptures, and particularly we see it in the Gospel of John. 
John chapter 1, verse 1, the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, He was in the beginning with God, all things came into being through Him, and apart from Him nothing came into being that has come into being. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And we're going to see here as we go through these scriptures, and John 8, 12 says that, that, that the light produces life. Here we see life is light, and so it sort of goes both ways here is, is, is what I'm saying. But we know the story about 2,000 years ago. Jesus came to this world. He lived among the people. He died for our sins. He rose again and, and then went to heaven to be with his Father. But as the light, back 2,000 years ago, the spiritual light, Jesus came into a very dark and sinful world. There's no doubt about it. Matthew 4 describes this, talking about Jesus' time on this earth when he came. The people who were sitting in darkness, spiritual darkness, that is, saw a great light, and those who were sitting in the land and shadows of death, upon them a light dawned. I like that. That's really good. But I want you, I want you to go to um, Luke chapter 1. The, the same verse in the Old Testament used, but it's a little bit of more things, and this is uh, referring to John the Baptist, Zechariah's song. Luke, Luke chapter 1, verse 76 to 79 and you'll catch this. And he's, he's, he's talking about John the Baptist and John the Baptist's purpose, which, of course, is to, to make known the Messiah. And so he says there, And you, child, verse 76, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give to his people the knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, which, with which the sunrise from on high will visit us. Isn't that interesting? talking about Jesus being the sunrise. We all understand sunrise. We've all seen sunrise. You know, it's dark in the morning. All of a sudden the sun comes up. It's beautiful. It's bright. He goes on to say, to shine upon those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. So it's a, it's a really beautiful picture. This whole theme today, Jesus Christ is the light of the world. He's to light up our life, spiritually speaking. There should be no darkness at all as believers because that's what God wants for us. And so... Um, now, most of the people then, of course, we see this from, in fact, let's go back to, back to John chapter 1. I didn't read these verses. John chapter 1, verses 9 to 11. John 1, 9 to 11. It says, there is a true light, that's Jesus, which coming into the world enlightens every man. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. We understand this. We've heard this before. Jesus came into the world. He was the light. And, and, and the people, that is the vast majority of the people, rejected him. They did not believe him, and therefore they remained in the darkness. That's what happened. Now, Jesus was, was, was perfectly holy. He, he was, uh, you know, and, and, and he came to this dark and sinful world. I mean, can you imagine what that would have been like? You all know what it's like to walk in a room that's dark, Right? Y'all have done it before. And, and I don't think any of us really like to just sit in a perfectly dark room. If we're in a dark room and it's, you know, we want to turn on the light. We want there to be light. We want to be able to see the things in the room. So here's Jesus thinking about this from a spiritual perspective. He, he, he came to this world. He's perfectly holy. He's the light of the world. He lived in this sin-dominated, sin-infected, spiritually dark world. 
And he came in this one. I, I just can't but help but think that he didn't like it. That is, doesn't mean he sinned when he didn't like it, but it was probably hard for him. Perfectly holy, all this sin. All of us have been around unbelievers who are really, really sinful, and it's sort of hard to be around people like that. We're talking Jesus could sense every bit of sin all the time. He knew what was going on in the world, and I can't but help but think it was, it was quite difficult for him. But he knew his purpose. He said, I'm here to be what? What's my purpose? My purpose is to light up this world, spiritually speaking. That's what he wanted to do. Turn to John chapter 3. Again, this analogy of light and darkness, 19 to 21. That's in the context of the for God so loved the ver- world verse, which is verse 16, verse 19. This is a judgment that the light has come into the world, and men love the darkness rather than the light, for their deeds were evil. That's the general assessment of, of humankind, of what happened back then and of what happens throughout history, okay? Men love the darkness rather than the light, for their deeds are evil. So it connects this darkness with their evil deeds. It goes on, For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed, but he who practices the truth comes to the light so his deeds, so that his deeds may be manifested as having been wrought in God. So the people love their own sin. They, they loved evil. They loved the darkness. They did not love Christ. It says they hated Christ. That's what we understand. And one of the reasons is because Christ would expose them. I mean, even if he was teaching and they're standing there or sitting there listening, you know, they had to be convicted because he was the light and he was preaching about what was true and right and just and holy and and they were in sin and they didn't like to be exposed for their sin. All of us, I think most of us probably back when we were young and kids and stuff and we're at home and, and, and the parents are gone, the parents come back and, uh-oh, Parents caught me doing something I ought not to do, you see. And so, you know, when, when, there's, when there's darkness, when the light's not there, so to speak, then hey, we can feel free to do what we want. So they didn't like it because Jesus was telling them that what they were doing was wrong. That's why many people wanted to kill him. We all understand the concept of turning lights on and off. You do it every day of your life. You know, you're in a dark room. You turn on the light, and you turn it off when you leave, right? What the, what, what the, this, what the Jews the Jewish leaders want to do is what? They wanted to turn off the light. That was their objective. Let's kill this guy. We've got to turn him off. We've got to shut him down. That's what they wanted to do, and they did do it. They, they got their objective, and for a couple of days, they were probably pretty happy. Probably had a few parties there, you know, after Jesus was crucified on that Friday, that Good Friday. But he rose from the dead. <laughs> the light was not put out. It's a wonderful, wonderful truth that we all know. And so... As it was back then, it is today. We look at the world. We see all this sin. We'll see this darkness, whether it's in a person's life, whether it's in a family, whether it's in a school, whether it's in a, uh, some city or our country or the government. We see it uh, in movies. We see it on shows. We see it on the Internet. We hear it on songs. We hear about all this sin. And, and even in the churches, there is darkness in some churches that aren't preaching the truth, the light they're preaching, the darkness. It really is. is and, I, and I've said this before, but as, as I've you know, I'm a little older in my years now, as many of you are here. I cannot believe the last 10, 15 years. Those of you who are younger don't understand this. If you, if you were alive back in the 50s and the 60s, you say, wow, things are really getting bad. They are really going south. I mean, it's bad. It's evil. It's wicked. There's a lot of darkness. And it's the truth of Second Timothy 3, which I've mentioned, is, is, is clearly true in our world. 
is that evil men are going from bad to worse. And, and I, I follow things really every day of the week, what's going on in the world, and it's just obvious. And it's really sad, and it's hard. This spiritual darkness comes from sin. Sin is a source of all spiritual darkness. You know, you heard about this guy what week ago, whenever it was, two weeks ago, up in Buffalo, and he killed 10 people in a store. It's, it's bad. And, and, and people can say, well, that's mental illness. Well, yes, it is. Sinners are mentally ill. That's true. That's true. And, but but I, know, I know there's some kind of people that are really mentally ill, and there's, every sinner to some degree is mentally ill. That, I guess that's what I'm saying. But wherever he's at on that spectrum, he was mentally ill. There's no doubt about it because sin affects our mind and our thinking. But really, sin is that which is the source, okay? People said, well, that guy was a racist. Well, could have been. That might have been true. Okay, that's fine. But the bottom line is sin. Uh, we, we keep dodging this. Sin, sin is the source of all evil and darkness. It's in the heart of a person, the dark heart of a person, where these dark, evil deeds come from. That's what we're saying. Proverbs 2.13 says, Those who leave the paths of uprightness walk in the ways of darkness. Proverbs 4.19, The way of the wicked is like darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. Isaiah 5.20, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who substitute light darkness for light and light for darkness. In our world today, so many people are deceived. I mean, I just cannot believe it. When people are saying that light is darkness and darkness is light, it just, it just, it just blows me away. It's just about incomprehensible. But it's important, and we're not going to go to it today, but you all know we've referred to it, the Romans verses, Romans 1, chapter, Romans 1, verse 18 to the end of the chapter. If you want to understand more, just have a more of a conviction of what's going on in people's life, you have to read those verses. That is the key section in the whole Bible. It sums it up. Romans 1, 18 to the end of the chapter. And it talks three times there about how God gives them over to, to their sin. God, it's okay. If you want to sin, I'll let you sin. That's what happens. But the final verse in that little triad there is verse 28. It says, God gave them over to a depraved mind. Okay, and so we see this. We're just seeing it more and more. I'm thinking, where in the world did the person get that kind of thinking? Well, they're, they're going from bad to worse. Their mind is depraved. God says, okay, you want to sin? I'll let you sin. I will let you sin. And we see it in all kinds of ways. And I'm not going to give examples now. So it's tragic that people walk in darkness. But it's their own fault for their sin. person can't blame anyone else for his sin, and the darkness that results, and the bad things that happen, the worries, and the fears, and the conflicts, and the lack of love, and joy, and peace, and everything else. They cannot blame anybody else. But we see, we live in a blame-shift world. We've lived in a blame-shift world since Adam and Eve. We know the story with that Adam and Eve. She blamed him, and and of course the devil got blamed. But it, the sin is in, is in the heart of, of a man. That's, that's, that's where it's at. Turn to John 12, more verses on this theme of light and darkness. John 12, 35 and 36. Verse 35, so Jesus said to them, For a little while longer the light is among you. Walk while you have the light so that darkness will not overtake you. He walks in the darkness, does not know where he goes. That's a sad commentary. Sinners don't know where they are going. 
while you have the light, believe in the light so that you may become sons of light. And so we talk about darkness, we talk about sin, we know that God judges those who are sinners, but the good news is that, 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 that Jesus saves those whom his Father has chosen, those who then come to him and believe that he indeed died to pay for their sins. Acts 26, 15, and then verse 18. It's about Paul here. For this purpose I have appeared to you to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the dominion of Satan to God. So there's here the connection between darkness and the devil and light and God, okay? The next verse, 1 Thessalonians 5, 5, you are all sons of light and sons of day. We are not of night and darkness. So another way to talk about who are we as Christians? We are sons of light. We are sons of the day. That's who we are. And so as, as believers, because of Christ, because of God, we are light in the Lord. We are then children of light, and we are then to live like children of light. We are to be lights in this world. We are to be ones then who do that which is, is, is pure and that which is holy. Whereas Jesus is the light of the whole world, each of us here are little lights. Little lights. I like this. We're little lights. And wherever we go, we're to be a light the people that we're with. And I'm not talking about, you know, this is corny, but it's not like you have a little light bulb on the top of your head. You understand that, spiritually speaking. And there's many different qualities of a Christian's life that, that I could suggest to you that would, you know, hey, this is what a person with spiritual light has. But probably three basics, these are the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5, is love, joy, peace. So you walk into some room, people, whether they're saved or unsaved, okay, you've all done this. You've all walked into some place where there's people. It could be the grocery store. It could be some other store you're shopping. It could be a reunion. It could be any place. And, and if people see you and they can tell that you're loving and friendly, they can sense that this guy's got some joy. You know, he can see your face, your count. He's not bummed out. He's got peace. There's love, there's joy, there's peace. They recognize that. And I don't think sometimes we realize that as Christians. We go someplace and we have love, joy, and peace, and, and people can sense that we're different. In fact, 2 Corinthians chapter 2 talks about how some people don't like that. They want to get away from people like us because we smell the wrong way. It talks about our smell. There's good smells and bad smells, and Christians have good smells, and the unbelievers don't like that good smell. They try to get out of there. So, so, so picture. I want you to picture this for yourself. When you're going someplace, I don't care, you know, you're out of your home, you're going someplace, are you a light? Are you a little light? Is that what you are? This is what God wants. Turn to Matthew chapter 5. You know these verses, but we'll read them. Matthew 5, verses 14 to 16. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. So he's talking to the believers in general. Okay, Christ has gone now we have this church. He's talking about the, the church is to be the light of the world. And that's what we're to do. Collectively as a church and, you know, cities and countries all over the world, we're to be the light. Nor does a city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the stand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Okay, so if you're someplace, some room, Christians, non-Christians, you're to be a light to all the people there. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. It doesn't say there whether that people there are saved or not, but the point is the ultimate goal is that God gets glory. 
Turn to one other section. This is, and we're going to go through this quickly, just read it through Ephesians 5. This is, this is an excellent section on this light and darkness, and it's very practical, but I just want to, again, read it through, and you can look at it more later yourself. Ephesians 5, beginning at verse 8. Verse 8, you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth. That's another way to say, well, what is this light? Goodness, righteousness, and truth. Trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Don't participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them. That's interesting. And it doesn't mean by your, just by your life, but there are times when God wants us to talk to unbelievers about their sin, to expose them. It is disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret. But all things become visible when they are exposed by the light, for everything that becomes visible is light. For this reason, it says, Awake, sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Great verses. God wants us to be light. And we have to understand because, you know, we all see sinful people in this world, and they say, God, are you going to either save them or take care of them? And you know what I mean by that. God will, God is merciful. God is just. Wait for the Lord. He will do what he wants to do in his time. There's no doubt about that. And so as, as Christians then, we think about the light being light to them. We should have compassion on the lost. And I can't help but think all of us need to grow in having compassion on the lost. Sometimes there's sinners out there and we don't like them. And then we say, God, judge them now, today. I'm tired of these guys. Compassion, compassion, compassion. You need to love them with a love that Jesus loved you before you were saved. You need to pray for them. Pray that God would show mercy upon them. The Bible says love your enemies. And pray for your enemies. That God would have mercy on them. That God would show them their sin and show them that they are guilty. And then pray for open doors. This is Colossians chapter 4. God opens doors so you can share the gospel with them. And by God's grace, then some... Not all, but some people will get saved as we share the gospel with them. Let's go back to John chapter 8, verse 12. This is our real key verses for this morning. John chapter 8, verse 12. As I said, there's a lot in here. John 8, 12. Jesus again spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. So there's a, there's a key word in this verse that relates then to having the light of God, of Christ in our lives, and it's the word follow. It's the word follow. Okay, Jesus is the leader, right? And he wants to lead us. We're to go after him. We're to follow him. That's what we are to do. It says in Luke 9, if anyone wants to Come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. And so he wants us to follow him, and not at a distance, but close behind. There's a verse, and I like these verses, Job 23, 10 to 12. says, he knows the way that I take. When he has tested me, I'll come forth as gold. My feet have closely followed his steps. I've not turned away from following him. I've treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Great verses on trials. Job 23, 10 through 12. But he says there, I've followed the Lord. My feet have closely followed his steps. I've kept to his way and have not turned aside. So important to think about this. 
as, as, as Christians, we're all followers, but are you doing a good job of following the Lord? And that, again, relates to this light here. To follow Jesus means we know him. It means we trust him. It means we love him. It means we're learning from him. It means we are willing to do what he wants and to go where he wants us to go. I mentioned this thought last week that this willingness to do what God wants is very important. That is, if, if you could hear God every morning say to you, are you, gonna, are you willing to do whatever I want you to do today, what would you say? You might hesitate. Because sometimes we don't like the assignments that God gives. I mean, some of mine are relatively, I don't say easy, some are hard. I don't like them, okay? I'll be honest, I just don't. My flesh don't like them. But that's, it is. We all have different assignments. And just follow me. We stay close to him, it's going to be all right. So when we turn from that's when we have problems. And so those who are, follow Jesus are his followers, his disciples, and we're not following sinful people in the world. That's why you have this Psalm 1 in the first verse in Psalm 1. It says, hey, don't go after bad people. I mean, it's so interesting. The, the first verse in the book of Psalms starts with a negative. Don't be with bad people. Don't read bad things. Don't watch bad things. Don't listen to people that are evil. Don't do it. You'll be led astray. Wants us to know that. First John chapter 1, verse 5. More verses on the light. As you can see, this is again a major subject. This light, this darkness. First John 1. Again, this is John, same John that wrote the gospel. It's obvious that he liked this theme of, of light and darkness and wrote about it. First John chapter 1, verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him and announced to you that God is light. In him there's no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Again, God is light. This, of course, means that Jesus is light. It says there's no darkness, there's no sin in them at all. That means they're perfectly holy. We know that. But this passage talks about one major aspect of what it means to be a follower of Jesus, specifically that we won't be ones who are walking in the darkness, but we're walking in the light. This is very important for our lives, walking in the light, but not in the darkness. When a Christian then confesses his sins, he is practicing the truth, he's experiencing the forgiveness of God, and he then is in the light. And so if as a Christian you knowingly sin, you want to confess that sin. That's practicing the truth. That's then experiencing forgiveness. That's then, you know, being in the light. And that's then, as these verses say, having fellowship with God. Because sin, knowing known sin in our lives, keeps us from having fellowship with the Father and the Son. But we also understand it keeps us having fellowship with one another. Because this, these verses, fellowship with the Father and the Son, fellowship with others as believers, and a fellowship with believers is essential for our lives. There's some Christians, you know, there's different issues they got, but one of the maybe the main things is some Christians don't have fellowship. A person needs to be in fellowship or else he will have difficulties in his life. Back to John chapter 8. John 8, verse 12 says, Jesus, I'm the light of the world. He follows me, will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. 
The whole point here, and these are just very general truths but that can be specifically applied, is the light gives life. Okay? It's a, it's a, very, it's a very, very simple thing. If we follow Jesus, we'll have the light of life. We've been talking about sin and darkness, and the point that Jesus is a light means then that he is the way then that we won't walk in darkness, but then we'll experience the life, the spiritual life, the love, joy, peace, purpose, everything else you want to say is life. That's how we experience it, because of this light of being holy and being righteous. It's, it's foundational. Light is so important. I mean, you understand this. Every morning you get up, I don't know what time you get up, but if you get up around probably, I don't know, 6, 6.30, 7, I mean, in terms of thinking when sunrise is, is you'll turn on the light, correct? I mean, let's say it's 6.30. You're going to turn on the light because you're not going to walk around in darkness. Then the day comes, 8, 8.30, a little later, you know, you turn the lights off. I mean, some people, my wife, like, she likes little side lights. You have a little lamp here that's lit up. That's fine. But you don't need all the light because you've got the sun come through the windows. And at nighttime, what do you do? What is about 8, about 8 o'clock, 7.38? What do you do? You turn the lights back on. Okay, I mean, the, the analogy is simple. The way that you live and conduct your life is when there's light. I don't care if it's work. I don't care if it's making a meal. I don't care if it's fellowship, talking to somebody. You have to have the light on to have life. That's all we're saying here. You have to have the light of Jesus in your life if you can experience the life that he wants for you. And so being holy, then, is foundational to experiencing this life as Christians and to the entirety of our life as Christians. Romans chapter 6. Go to Romans 6. You can jot down Ephesians 4, 20 to 24 as well. We're not going to take the time to look at all these verses. But Romans 6, and the, and the point we're talking about here is light and being righteous and being holy. That's, that's the point. Romans 6 is, is the, one of the classic chapters about how to, to live a righteous and holy life as a Christian. Verse 12 to 13, two key verses here. It says, therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lust. It just says as Christians, man, don't let sin be there. Get rid of it. Do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. This is, this is one of the most important verses. You presenting, that is you on a daily basis, Lord, here I am. I don't want me, my body, my mind, I, I don't want to be used for unrighteousness, for, for bad things, for evil. I want to be used for you. That, that, that's what we're saying here. It's, it's a very simple, basic truth of giving yourself to God. It starts with that because if you're going along through the day and, and oh, man, fall into some kind of sin, well, hey, it's, it starts in the morning. Here, Lord, here I am, another day. I give myself, my mind, my body, my thoughts to you. Use me. Use my whole life, my whole being. That's how that one song, it's classic. It's uh, I'll just sing it sometime. Take my life and let it be. It just, it's just so good. It, it covers so much about our lives and how we need to present ourselves then to the Lord. So being holy then, being righteous, not walking in the darkness, but walking in the light then is, is, is important for our life as Christians, for our everyday life as, as, as Christians. I'm not going to, I haven't written down, but I'm not going to take the time here, is Proverbs 10 through 12 are, are classic chapters on righteousness. You, you go to those chapters, and it's probably, I don't know, 30 to 35 
verses in those three chapters, 10, 11, and 12, that have the word righteousness in them, which means being holy. But it's real practical. It's how to be practically righteous. They're good examples. So read through 10 through 12. You might even circle the verse references, 10 through 12. You'll find 30, maybe 40 different verses there that all relate to righteousness. And it's just so, so important. Okay, back to John chapter 8. We'll move on to the next verses, 13 to 18. Pharisees said to him, you're, you're testifying about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered and said to them, even if I testify about myself, my testimony is true, for I know where I came from, and I know where and where I'm going, but you do not know where I came from or where I'm going. You judge according to the flesh. I'm not judging anyone, but even if I do judge, my judgment is true, for I am not alone in it, but I and the Father who sent me. Even in your law it has been written that the testimony of two men is true. I am, who, I am he who testifies about myself, and the Father who sent me also testifies about me. So here I read this word, true. The Pharisees are saying that Jesus' testimony, what he was talking about, and he talked you know, day after day for about three years about who he was. They say it's not true. And in doing that, I mean, here's these Pharisees, these leaders, they're saying, Jesus, you're a liar. You're a liar. So Jesus defends himself. And he has three basic arguments here in these verses that I'll mention briefly. First, his testimony is true. And it was true. Jesus was the truth. He is the truth. He'll always be the truth. All who Jesus is and all what Jesus does is the truth. It says in John 1, it says, from him, it says, grace and truth were realized through Jesus. That's verse 17 of John 1. Verse 14 says, he's full of grace and truth. So Jesus is truth, and he is the truth. A little story, I was watching the news briefly this morning. It was a story about some school, and I'm not going into the details, but I just want to make one main point. It's about a school, and an elementary school, and the different books for the kids and stuff. And this one book, it really wasn't a good book. I'm not going to go into the details of what this book was, but it wasn't good. It wasn't really right or true. It wasn't based on righteousness. But it's for kids, okay, to learn, quote, learn things. And they're talking about people there that in their minds, weren't good people and things and were bad people. And then so the question came, and there's a little book, little pictures and words and stuff. The question is, well, does Jesus love this person? And the book said, of course Jesus loves this person. And, 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 and it, the point is this, and I want to look back up 100 years ago. It was about 1920s, 1930s, when the emphasis in this country, and it started way over in Europe, places over in Germany, is that the Bible is not completely true. It's not completely true. But all the verses about Jesus being loving, oh yeah, that's, that's true. And so you've been seeing that in these churches where the churches are getting away from the truth. And you see this with unbelievers. You see this as this unbelieving book, okay. And oh yeah, Jesus loves this person. But Jesus tells the truth. And they skip that part. Been skipping around this country in many churches for a hundred years now. Jesus tells the truth, and He's telling the truth, and that's the whole theme of these verses right here. I am the truth. I am the truth, and I speak forth the truth. And this little old book for kids has it's, it's got to fill a bunch of lies. But Jesus tells the truth. They skip that part, and I see this. I, I know people like this, unbelievers. Jesus loving. Jesus tells the truth. They skip that part. Okay, but 
But we have to always remember, and that's what Jesus was doing here. He is loving, but he's also filled with truth. And I've already said this, that people like Jesus when he's loving, but they didn't like him when he told the truth, right? They did not like it. People will like you when you tell them, then when you love them, but they won't usually like it when you tell them the truth. They do not want their sinful life then to be exposed. Second, Jesus said his testimony was true. And of course it was, for Jesus knew where he had come from and where he was going. Okay, here's the second point. First one, Jesus himself is, is true. That's just who he is and what he's like. He's always been, always where he's true and he speaks forth the truth. The second one, I know where I've come from. I know where I'm going. He had been with the Father since eternity past. He came to this earth. He died on the cross to pay for sins. He rose again from the dead. He now is in heaven, right? We know that. Right hand of the Father. He's there. He's going to come back in not too many years from now, whether it's 10, 20, 50, I don't know. He's coming back to this earth. He's going to do what? Rapture the saints shortly after that. Take over the world, reign for a thousand years. Jesus knows all that. I mean, think about your life. Do you know what's going to happen in the future? James forces, don't even go there. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You really don't. You really don't know what your future is like. You know your, where you came from, but when you were 10 years old, you didn't know your future. Jesus said, I know who I am. I know where I came from. I know where I'm going. And so basically, the, his the purpose of his life conveyed the truth. That as we talk about truth, it means who you are, but it also relates to what you do. And that's what he's saying. But there's one more point he says here. It's important. He says that his judgments were true. Judgments is a word that means knowledge. It means understanding. It means decisions. It means discernment. It means all those different things. And he said that says his decisions were not just his own, but they were God's. We talked about this already. Jesus would only do and say that which the Father wanted him to say or do. So what he's saying is, I am true because I am from my Father, and my Father is true. I'm true because of who I am. I'm true because of what I do, my purpose, and I'm true because I have this relationship with the Father. So he's trying to convey to them, hey, I am the truth. You need to listen to me. And by saying this, Jesus was saying that he was God, that he wasn't making any decisions, earthly, worldly decisions like the Pharisees, but rather he was the one who was telling them the truth, and he's always telling them the truth. That's what he was doing. So it's important as we finish here that we read his words, Jesus' words, and I have a red letter edition. I like you can get, And if you have a red letter edition, I, I like it. Whether you read his words or the words of God in the entirety of this book here, they're true. And we need to believe them. We need to obey them. We need to trust them. And that's how we can live. That's how the, the light of life then can be in us. It's the word of God. It's, as I mentioned with Job 23, verse 12, I think it is. I've treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. So a key, an important key for you then to be walking in the light is to be in the Word of God because the Word of God is that which, that which then will give you light. I want you to, we're going to close with just a few verses. The last book of the Bible, Revelation 22. I mentioned before how Jesus came in the world. He says, I'm the light of the world. Not everybody knew that. A lot of people rejected him. I mentioned Matthew 24 about when he comes back the second time, not many years from now, he's going to light up this world physically speaking. Revelation 22, very interesting here. I want to read just the, this first seven verses. This is after the millennial kingdom. Showed me a river of the water of life. <laughs> Another river of the water of life. Clear as crystal coming from the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the middle of its street, on either side of the river, was the tree of life, bearing 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing, really, the health of the nations. 
There will no longer be any curse in the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it and his bondservants will serve him. They will see his face and his name will be on their forehead. And there will no longer be any night. They will not have any need of the light of a lamp nor the light of the sun because the Lord God will illumine them and they will reign forever and ever. Interesting. Jesus is the light of the world. And that's where we're going to see it, really see it. Verse 6, he said to me, these words are faithful and true, and the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, sent his angel to show to his bondservants the things which must soon take place. Behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who heeds the words of the prophecy of this book. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. We bless you for your words. There's a lot here. It's all summed up, and as we talk about today, is that you, Lord Jesus, are the light of the world, and we want you to be the light in our life, the sunshine in our soul. That's what we desire. We know, Lord, that even as Christians, we sometimes walk in the darkness, Lord, that sometimes we're holding on to some sin, doing something we ought not to do. I pray, Lord, that more and more we be ones who readily are transparent with you and confess our sins so we can then truly walk in the light and have fellowship with you and have fellowship with other believers. I just pray that you'd help us, Lord, as, as Christians in this church here, once you're listening on, to be ones who, who um, Lord, are living the way we're supposed to, are practicing the, the truth. Now, that's what we desire, and we ask you, Father, to help us. We need your grace. Every one of us here would admit that we do things we ought not to do, that we're weak, that we get tired, that our, our flesh, our sinful flesh can be strong at times, so we ask you for your grace. We want to be a, a holy church. We want to be ones as a church, ones holy. We also we want to be ones, as I said before, we go places and we light up the room. I mean, spiritually speaking, we light up the room, not by just talking a lot. It's by our life, by our character, by the way we love people and treat people and listen to people, Lord, and share with them, Lord, and the peace we exhibit even in the midst of trials and difficulty. Help us, Lord, to be ones who are the light, as we read then in Matthew chapter 5 as well. But thank you again for each one here. Thank you for this church, Lord. Just lead us and guide us and use us in the way that you want. I pray you'd use us in ministry, use us in the gospel. Lord, pray for your protection from the evil one. We need that as well. Those who couldn't be here for whatever reason, God, we pray for them as well. Pray for Bethel. Thank you for Raphael and the leaders there and their church, Lord, and their heart to follow you, Lord. And even in a few weeks, their Bible, uh, their uh, vacation Bible school, we pray for your blessing on that as well. But thank you for them that we can join together and be in ones who then are being uh, lights for you. But thank you again for this time now. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.